Well, uh, is being a sheep exciting? Uh, is being a sheep glamorous, dynamic, ever-changing? What do we know about sheep? They're dumb. <laughs> They're not dumb. Uh, maybe they are. Yeah. They follow. They bah, all the time. They stink, right? For the most part, I mean, yeah, they're they're not physically cool to look at, like nothing attractive about them. They, they're woolly. Uh, so no, they're not exciting. They're not glamorous. As far as we're concerned, they're boring, mundane, and predictable. What's my point? I think apart from our biblical understanding of sheep and shepherd and that kind of metaphor that the Bible uses, we probably wouldn't choose to be a sheep. However. There is a great reason why Jesus used this example of sheep and shepherd when he describes his people. We have a special role and function in the community of God's people. By God's design, he has appointed leaders in the church. He's called others to follow those appointed leaders. The Lord has laid out for us what those roles are why they are necessary for us to accomplish the Great Commission. It's not just, you know, some great business model that Jesus came up with. Like, I wonder what's going to be the prettiest, best functioning for the sake of, you know, yeah, attracting people or, or building revenue or whatever. That's not the reason why he did this. It's ultimately, how can we be best positioned to accomplish the Great Commission? So that's what we're going to look at this morning. What are our roles? So the title of the message I encountered as I was praying is Know Your Role. Now, if you're a fan of the WWF back in the day and you think about The Rock, um, <clears throat> we're not, we're not going to finish the statement that he would have used, but just, just know your role in the kingdom of God. We'll just say that. So let me pray. Ask for the Lord's help, and then we'll dig into the text this morning. So, Father, we do thank you for another day of life. We're grateful for this Advent season, Lord, that we long with expectation. You know, my favorite Christmas carol of all time, Lord, is uh, O Holy Night. Long lay the world in sin and error, pining, just waiting for your coming, Lord. The world is lost, desperate, doesn't even know that they're waiting for you, Lord. But, God, we anticipate a celebration of the fact that you did come. You are Emmanuel, God with us. And that's what we celebrate in this season. So help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Help us to be mindful of the fact that, God, you are here with us and you've designed your church in such a way. You've instilled certain things, structures, principles, guidelines for your people and for your church for a reason. So God, be with us this morning as we look to your word for guidance and wisdom and help. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so as you're turning in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 5, the overarching theme of the passage today is this. In order to be fruitful in the community of God's people, you must know what your role is. How many want to be fruitful in God's community? Right? All of us. So we need to know what it is that our role is. What are we doing? What are we called to do? So flip over, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter's wrapping up his message, and we are wrapping up our series. We've got one more week. Mike will close us out next week. We're going to look at five verses. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5. 
is what the Word of God says. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of, of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not an compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So here's our text for this morning. Peter starts out by addressing his fellow elders. So he's addressing the leaders of the churches in those areas. Now, Peter was an apostle, right? Right. He was there with Jesus among the twelve. He could have just kind of laid, laid it down. as like, look, I'm an apostle. You're not. Listen to what I have to say. Peter doesn't do that. He goes, look, guys, you're an elder. I'm an elder. Let's just have a conversation. So, please don't tune out because you're not an elder. <laughs> you're like, yeah, this is, doesn't apply to me, obviously, because I'm not an elder. Let me encourage you to pay particularly close attention for two reasons. First, the qualifications and the expectations for an elder are not remarkable. In other words, the character and behavior expected of leaders in the church is the character and behavior expected of all believers. We should all be aiming to meet these expectations. The real difference, if you're really curious, is going to come in how lead, <coughs> excuse me, how leaders will be accountable before God for how they lead his people. But at the end of the day, this direction is for all of us to take and apply into our lives. Secondly, many of you someday will find yourself at another church. Right? You might move, military send you off somewhere, or God might just call you somewhere else. You need to know what you're looking for in a leader. So clearly, the elders here at Pillar Oceanside, we don't have all this figured out. Except maybe Mark. I was going to say Mark, Mike, but I knew you wouldn't believe that at all. Just kidding, brother. <laughs> Look, we fall short. That's what I'm getting at. We fall short. That's why, man, you got to know what the Word of God tells us is the expectation. So what are we looking for in our spiritual leaders? And don't worry, there is a portion of this text that is directed to the non-elders among us. So pay attention to that for those two reasons, because you got to know that these expectations for all of us, and you also got to know what you're looking for in a leader. So my, my plan, my goal, is to ask and answer three questions. So hopefully you can stick with me on that. The question that I'm going to start out with, question number one is, what does it look like to be an effective shepherd? What does it look like to be an effective shepherd. First, I think it's important for us to point out that Jesus himself uses this illustration a lot in his teachings. Points himself out as the shepherd. If you go to John chapter 10, the entire chapter outlines Jesus as a shepherd. In fact, go with me over to John chapter 10 if you can, without your Bible blowing away. John chapter 10, verses 12. Twelve through fifteen. If you can't get there, that's fine. I just read it. 
John chapter 10, in the middle of I am the good shepherd chapter, as it's labeled, is what it says. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So I would encourage you to read that entire chapter if you get the opportunity. But Jesus knows his own and his own know him and he lays down his life for his sheep. Okay, I think we got that. But what exactly, what else I should say, does a shepherd do? So I, I took to the interwebs and I actually found a current modern day description for a sheep herder. If you're looking for that job, it's in um, somewhere in Montana. So I could point you to that if you like. But here's what it says. Title, sheep herder, a.k.a. shepherd. Employee duties and responsibility. Attends sheep flock grazing on range. Herds sheep, rounds up strays using trained dogs. Beds down sheep near evening campsite. Guards flock from predatory animals and from eating poisonous plants. May assist in lambing, docking, and shearing. May examine animals for signs of illness and administer vaccines, medications, and insecticides according to instruction. Abilities. Identify complex problems and review related information to develop and evaluate options and implement solutions. Oh. Manage own time and the time of others. Knowledge of laws, legal codes, court procedures, precedents, government regulations, executive orders, organizational rules, and the democratic political process. Okay. Didn't know it. being a shepherd was that complex, right? But practically speaking, man, there are a ton of parallels between pastoring people and shepherding sheep. No offense to you sheep. But if I were to summarize these responsibilities, here's what we're looking at. Attend to their needs. Lead them to places of rest and provision. Guard against attack, both from outward predators and eating certain foliage. And watch for signs of illness. All of these things, all of this effort, this investment in the sheep is for two reasons. Anybody got any guesses of what those two primary reasons are? Keep them alive for sure. For what reason? What do sheep produce? Wool. We do all of this. We invest so much because sheep produce wool and they produce more sheep. That is the only reason people go to such lengths to care for sheep. So the list I just read, it's a little bit uh, comprehensive, but it contains some very practical but somewhat broad categories for shepherding. So I want to bring that into focus now with what we read in chapter 5 of First Peter. So Peter sets up his listener by putting them, like I said, on common ground. He's like, look, I'm an elder, you're an elder, and then he starts in on the list. As you are shepherding the flock, verse 2... Exercise oversight. In other words, you, my friend, are responsible for what happens among your flock. That's what the word oversight is defined as. Watchful and responsible care. So as a leader, I will tell you, that is a massive burden. Not in, a, in an oppressive or worrisome way. Rather, in the sense of duty and accountability before God. 
And having been a member of a church on many different occasions all around the country, I know what it's like to place my trust in another flawed human being to care for and lead me. So on, on behalf of the other elders, thank you for trusting us with this awesome responsibility. Because what do you call a shepherd without sheep? Unemployed. Uh, a dude in the field, basically. Yeah, right? Exactly. Without you, there is no church. By the same token, if you are a part of this church and you are not regularly involved in the life of the church, what does that do to our ability to shepherd you as God calls us? It cuts us off at the knees. And, and to be quite frank, it hurts. It hurts knowing that there are people who have at one point placed themselves under our leadership and care for them, and then for some reason remove themselves from our care. Why does it hurt? Because as shepherds, we know the dangers of sheep off on their own in this world. It is not good. What does the wolf always go for when there's a flock of people, of sheep? Always goes for the stray. The lion goes for the stray wildebeest or whatever. Never goes after the herd because isolation is dangerous. Yes, we are called to go leave the 99 and head after the one. But sometimes the one isn't responsive and remains separated. So I'll ask you, how can we as shepherds give a full account to God as he says that we will do for sheep that have pulled away and stay away? Just keep that in mind as you're a member of any church in your years of service of the Lord. Now look, are there seasons where you're going to be away? Are there circumstances like the circumstances we're in right now that are going to prevent you from regularly participating in the life of a church? Of course. Of course. So I'm not pointing the finger and going like, well, where you been for the last nine months? There's a pandemic. I get it. <laughs> but there are ways to be involved still. There are ways to be connected. It takes effort and it takes the desire to want to be connected. But you got to know, if you're a Christian and you're a sheep within a flock, you are responsible for being a part of that flock. I'll just leave that right there. So the next thing after exercising oversight is how we exercise oversight. Peter's going to give us six things. He's going to give us three positives and three negatives. He says, don't do this under compulsion. Don't do it for shameful gain. And don't domineer over those under your charge. Got it. But do do it willingly, eagerly, and as a good example. So I think Peter pairs these things so he helps draw a very stark contrast for us. Don't do this, but do this. Don't do that, but do this. So we can make it easier for us to see what it's supposed to look like. I think it's, it's likely that all of us have been under leadership of people who are reluctantly doing their jobs out of obligation. Anybody attest to that? How, how well does a leader inspire us and motivate us when their attitude is obligation? They don't. That's, that's the plain fact, right? Now, I'm not sure if that's better or worse than the leader that does it for shameful gain. That is to say, they're, they're leading in order to get something out of it for themselves. So in, in this context, Peter's almost certainly talking about false teachers and the fact that they would often be in it for money. They, they would be in it 
to preach a false gospel, skim money off the top, and lie in their pockets as they peddle that false gospel. That sounds too good to be true. Does that sound like something that still happens today? Unfortunately, it does. It still happens today. But don't do that, Peter says. And the last example he offers, I think, is where the rubber meets the road. He said, leaders are not to use their position of authority to oppress others under them. Now, sadly, I saw this a lot in my time in the Marine Corps. And it often comes as a result of a leader being put into a position that they are not equipped for. They don't know how to inspire obedience to orders, and so they hide behind their rank. And then once they get a taste of that authority, man, that's, that's it's a dangerous place to be. It's all downhill. That's one of the reasons the Bible lists qualifications for elders. And did you know that almost every single qualification listed in the scriptures for elders are character qualifications? It doesn't have to do with your natural skill set necessarily. Almost all of them have to do with character. Okay, We don't lord our leadership over people. Rather, we set a good example for those that we lead. Think of Jesus' example. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. No, but to be served. No. He came to serve and to lay down his life as a ransom for many, right? Servant leadership is biblical leadership. It's being in the trenches side by side with the people. It's putting other needs before our own. It's walking with integrity regardless of the cost and it's being above reproach across the board. A good shepherd tends to the needs of his flock. He knows them, understands their struggles, and encourages, encourages them to go down a good and healthy path. He leads his flock to places of rest and provision. If you're a sheep, what is of value to you? What's, what's provision? What do you want to be led as a sheep? To what? To a pastor, right? To, to food. So the provision that we're talking about is just that. It's nourishment. I want you to notice something now. The shepherd doesn't feed the sheep directly. He leads sheep to the place where there is good food and they eat of their own accord. They feed themselves. You ever notice that? Think about it for a minute. Is your shepherd leading you to good food that will nourish your soul? And if so, are you then eating? Are you taking in a steady diet of the word on your own each and every day? Only you can answer that question. But that's what he's calling us to. A good shepherd also guards against attack. They're always on the lookout, scanning the perimeter, looking for predators. Whether that's a wolf among the flock, somebody that's in the congregation trying to stir up strife and division and gossip and those kinds of things. Maybe it's a false doctrine. Somebody's trying to peddle on the side or, or unduly influenced to a certain worldview that's unhealthy. Shepherd's a protector. That's part of our job. We need to be doing that. Shepherds watch for signs of illness. They notice when a member of the flock is sick. So practically speaking, in our church setting, what is the shepherd looking for 
what does it manifest itself as in terms of sickness or illness in your life as a believer broadly speaking it's a three letter word starts with an S sin right sin is that sign of illness they notice when a member is veering off from the truth sin is at work in the believer's life the shepherd then is not afraid to bring the antidote which is what? the word of God yeah, brings the word of God to bear on that situation in order to bring healing and restoration. That's what a good shepherd does. That's the only way a shepherd can handle the sickness within the flock with the word of God. So Peter spends a fair amount of time, four verses, talking, um, four out of five, talking to the elder and telling them how they ought to be leading. I will add that the word elder, pastor, overseer, shepherd, these, these titles, these terms are used interchangeably throughout the New Testament. So when you hear me say different terms and different words, ultimately they, they mean the same thing. They're referring to the spiritual leader of a given congregation. And every time that they are mentioned in the New Testament, they're always plural. There's always more than one. So our belief as a church is that God has appointed a plurality of co-equal elders to shepherd the flock. And that's what we strive for. We've got three right now, and you know that's been our, our, our intention from the beginning, and it continues to be our intention from here on out. Um, because as you can see, shepherding the flock takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of work to do it the right way. If you were to go to Montana and take over that job that I read for you as the sheep herder, you would probably be living among the sheep. You may have a little shanty on the side or something, but you've got to be on call 24-7. You've got to be ready to go, drop everything in a heartbeat. You've got to be with them at night when they sleep because who's watching out for the sheep when they're sleeping at night? The shepherd. They're not looking out for themselves. This is a full-time investment. And so we like to spread that responsibility out among the elders that he has called to us. So, what about you? You heard about us. Question number two, what does it look like to be a healthy and flourishing sheep? This will be quick because like, like I said, Peter spent four verses on us and one on you, so I'm going to follow his lead. The first thing that he says in verse five is that you ought to be subject to the leaders appointed over you. Be subject to them, not blindly though, you have an obligation to know how the Lord calls people to lead. That's what I talked about earlier. Now, are we talking about perfection? Are you looking for perfection in your leaders? I certainly hope not, because you're going to be looking for a long time, especially, yeah, here. <laughs> We're talking about humility. Be humble enough to be led, to willingly be led. So what does this require? It requires trust, of course. So as a member of the flock, you need to trust the shepherd over you. And of course, I'll tell you, that's much easier to do when that shepherd is doing everything that I just outlined, <laughs> right? It's kind of like in a husband-wife relationship. It's a lot easier uh, to do that, as God calls us to do, when we're each doing our parts. We're each doing our, our own duty, responsibility within that. But based on the example that we've been using, a sheep is also responsible for feeding on the word of God. 
They cannot sit around and wait to be spoon-fed by someone else. That's not how it works. Once you are led to a field that is rich and nutritious with food, you eat it. You consume the Word of God daily. Now I understand that some might think of that as weird, like I'm consuming the Word of God, I'm eating the Word of God, I'm ingesting the Word of God. But that's exactly what we're doing. It's nourishment to our soul. And we're desperately, desperately needing it every day. And just like in the natural world, my friends, you can't have somebody do it for you. Can anybody eat for you? Can anybody eat on your behalf? They might want to. (laughs) Maybe they try. (laughs) But no matter how much they ingest, you're not getting an ounce of nourishment from what they eat. The only way you are getting nourishment is if you pick up that broccoli or whatever it is and put it in your own mouth. That is exactly what we're talking about with sheep feeding themselves. We're going to do our best to shepherd you into an area that is full of nourishment and goodness. And then it's up to you to do the rest. All right. Two more responsibilities for you, the sheep. That's kind of what I started out with. You are to bear fruit, a.k.a. wool in our illustration. That's a pretty significant benefit to keeping sheep. Wool. It's expensive, valuable, attractive. But the wool isn't for the sheep, is it? Is the wool for the sheep? It's for the benefit of other people, right? Likewise, you bear fruit, namely we're talking the fruit of the Spirit, for the benefit of others. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. There's nine of them, I think. You produce that fruit in your life for the benefit of other people. Just like a tree, apple tree doesn't produce apples for itself. We've used this illustration before. Now listen, the sheep may think for a little while that the wool is actually good for them. Keeps them warm after all. And that may be true, but at some point, it becomes a liability. Ever seen those pictures of a sheep that hasn't been sheared in like forever? And they're like this big, huge gargantuan thing and they can barely hardly move they're like trying to get around like this it weighs them down it prevents them really from performing their second biggest responsibility which is reproduction so number three how does all of this that we've been talking about this morning how does it help you carry out the great commission now remember Peter is writing this letter to Christians who are suffering persecution for their faith. That's what the whole letter is about. They are carrying out the Great Commission, and because of that, they're coming under fire. So all that Peter is saying here to leaders and followers, the sheep and the shepherds, is happening in the greater context of the faithful fulfillment of the Great Commission. So he says, position yourself with humility to be shepherded in the direction of obedience. That goes for all of us, church. I want to make sure that I'm talking to all of us here because he said, shepherd the flock of God. So who's the ultimate shepherd? 
Jesus, right? We, as the elders here, are actually under shepherds, falling under the leadership of Jesus. So everything that I've told you about sheep also applies to us as leaders. Now, having said all that, members of the flock, we're called to reproduce ourselves. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about spiritual multiplication. Disciples who make disciples who make disciples. If we do not participate in the process of spiritual multiplication, we are not doing all that we've been commissioned to do. Church, my friends, this is why we're here. This is what we've been called to do. To live our lives in such a way, to be shepherded in such a direction that the outcome is our obedience to Christ. Now, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to rattle off a couple of verses for you that may sound familiar that come out of Matthew 28, 19, and 20. It says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. Also known as what? The Great Commission. I mean, it, it doesn't get much clearer than this. Remember, these are Jesus' final words. This is what he is going to be sent off having said. I'm saying this, and now I'm ascending, as we read in Acts chapter 1. Go. Do this. What is this? Make disciples. And inferred in that is make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. In Acts, we read a lot about Paul going and planting churches. The Great Commission does not call us to plant churches. The Great Commission calls us to make disciples that will eventually bring about churches. So our obligation, every one of us, if we are sheep in the, the flock of God, is to multiply spiritually. Now, can you reproduce something that you are not yourself? You cannot do that. If you are not a disciple, you cannot make other disciples. So we're all on a different spectrum here, spiritually. Some are brand new believers. Maybe some aren't believers yet. Maybe you've been a believer for 30 years. All on different spectrums. Right? So wherever you are, your obligation, your responsibility is to move down that spectrum, that line, closer to multiplication every day. Obedience is what we're after here. Obedience to the Word of God. We have a guest... Um, I was going to save this for the end, but here he goes. off by about 30 seconds. I was going to really just build it up and just go for it, but he's supposed to do a wheelie all the way across and whatever. It's all fine. Look, as we're doing all this, my friends, he says, clothe yourself with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, 
but gives grace to the humble. And my friends, we need as much grace as we can as we're carrying out the Great Commission. Mike's going to pick up on that idea of humility moving forward next week. But I pray that as you were listening, you are also considering what your response will be to the word. As we've been talking about these I will statements. And there's a lot there <laughs> for us as leaders and for, for the flock as well. What are you going to do with what you've heard today? Fill in that, that statement to yourself. Write it down somewhere. I will. And then seek to walk in obedience to that before the Lord. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, we, um, we are grateful to be a part of your flock. Lord, we're so grateful that you laid down your life for us that you, you created a way for us to be in relationship with you. Lord, we know that sin entered into the world and into our lives and, and separated us from you. But in your goodness to us, you sent Christ to live a perfect life and to lay down his life as a ransom for many. And that in his death, the wrath of God was was fulfilled, was poured out upon him. He took the punishment that we deserved in our place and offers us that free gift of salvation. And Lord, as we cross over from the old and into the new, and that we are new creations in Christ, we take on a new identity. And we have a role and a responsibility within your kingdom part of that role spiritual multiplication carrying out your great commission so father would you help us to be ever mindful of the fact that that is the case and as a church here in Oceanside that we'd see the lost coming to faith we'd see darkness being pushed back all over the all over the city all over the base as people are coming face to face with the God of this universe and the love that he sheds, shares for them. God, we are the hands and feet. Lord, you are the agent of change, Lord God. We are the carriers of the message. Help us to do that well. Help us to do it consistently and faithfully, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to be among yours. And help Mark, Mike, and I to shepherd as you called us to shepherd, Lord. To be faithful in the things that you've called us to do. God, knowing we'll stand before you and give an account for how we do that, Lord. And let us not do it reluctantly, under compulsion, or domineering, Father God, but with love, grace, patience, and joy in all that we do. God bless us, I thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen.